special edition. It's a, a special edition because it's personal. Uh, of the Behind the You podcast, I'm joined by Tim Ice Harris Jr., the now back home in Miami, the running back, running backs coach at the University of Miami. Ice, it is fantastic to see you, and I appreciate you doing this. Oh, man. Thanks, Josh, for having me, man. I'm excited to be back home. Yeah, I might run out of time, though, but you got official business or unofficial business to yeah, take care of. <laughs> so you might have to make a repeat, a repeat appearance down the line, all right? Oh, yeah, I'm open, man. Just let me know when. All right, no problem. I ain't doing no 5.30 in the morning, though, all right? I'll just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I got to do. I got to get you 5.30 in the morning when we're up, man. You got it, no problem. All right, who calls you Tim? Who still calls you Tim? Oh, man. Uh, most everybody I work with, man. Everybody I work with now calls me Tim. My, my mom and my dad don't. I bet so, not. <laughs> I just make sure people don't call me Ice, man. That's my dad. He can have that. He can have that. I'll be Tim. No one calls you Ice? Well, I, I try to stop people from calling me Ice. I let my dad have his deal because he don't answer to Tim anymore. So, I'm, you know, I, I've taken over Tim, and I'm good with that. And he can be Ice, and, and we, can, we can separate those things. Yeah, you're not Vanilla Ice, I can tell you that. No, no, I don't want to be that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen, I need everyone. To, I, I, I don't know what people know or don't know, Tim. Um, okay. But I want people to know you're a Hall of Famer at the University of Miami in track, and you're still the record holder in the 800. You're a six-time champion in the ACC. So I just want the people to recognize your greatness, but most importantly – I want it documented here for the wife to let her know what a stud you were. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. That was, that was in my Hall of Fame speech, too, man. I talked about that. I, some people think I'm lying. They meet me now. I don't look the same as I did when I was running the Oh, let me tell you, I was, watching, I, I was just watching some videos, dude. You were jacked. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, we, we still get out there a little bit. Whenever we got to run around this field, we hustle up around here, man. Coach Cristobal, when that horn blow, we flying places. So people still see that I got it. It ain't going nowhere. How special? Well, seriously, though. I mean, but but I think, you know, it's funny. I know you as high school, Booker T, head coach, assistant coach. I know you football. Right. But you were a record-holding Hall of Famer track star at the University of Miami. How special was it to put that jacket on? Oh, man, it was it was unbelievable. Because, uh, you know, I know if you know, if anybody do the research on the University of Miami track and field team, the men's track and field team, but when I came here, you know, it wasn't a fully funded program. So I remember coach uh, at the time I had kind of put myself in good position as a track and field recruit that I had all these schools from all over the place recruiting me and offering me full scholarships because I had, you know, won the state championship uh, in the 800 in high school and I was the U.S. junior national champ, all that good stuff. But uh, coach Ward here, he, he went, he jumped through a lot of hoops to, to get a scholarship, a full scholarship available for me to come here. And uh, I remember when he finally called my dad and, and told him that he had got it done with the late Paul D, who was our AD at the time. He had had a conversation with him and thought that he had a local guy that he could get. And uh, so for me coming here, a lot of people were surprised because they knew it wasn't a program that was going to have a lot around me. But it was such a blessing because I came here and I chose this school because I was, I, you know, I love being a Miami Hurricane. Growing up, that's all that I saw. It was more the football side of it. But it didn't matter to me. You know, I wanted to wear this logo, you know, no matter what sport it came in. And when I did that, I wanted to make sure that I left this program, you know, leaving a footprint on the track and field program. And, you know, all the success that I had, the ACC uh, titles and the All-American accolades, all that, you know, it was exactly why I chose this university. And I felt there was probably a year or two after I left, it became a fully funded program. And I feel like some of the things that me and my teammates did while I was here kind of helped in, in being able to get that done. You had said in that speech at the Hall of Fame that people looked at you like you were crazy. A little bit, yeah, I guess, for going to Miami because, A, it wasn't fully funded, and, B, was it not a program? I guess at the time, could you have gone to a better program for where it was at the time? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, every top track and field program in the country had offered me a scholarship at that time. You know, and that was great. And people most of the time know when you run the event like the 800, you really need – people that are probably, you know, your caliber or better than you as a training group. And they knew that at that point, Miami didn't have that. But for me, I thought of it a little bit differently. I thought, you know, being a high profile guy that, you know, was at that level of a runner that I could come here and attract other really good 
800 meter runners that would want to come here and train with me, you know, seeing the success that I felt like I would have. And I believe I did that, you know, as, when I got here, our training group, the 800 meter runners on the men and women's side, it got better from year to year. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's what I set out to do. And through, you know, coach Ward and the trust that I built with him, coach Damon Griffiths, who was our assistant, uh, coach at the time and helping coach Ward with the middle distance runners. Like we all had a hand in, in doing that. And, uh, I had some really good guys come in and train with me and they helped me achieve everything that I was able to get done here. So you need to bottle up that speech and use it in your current job. <laughs> hey, I do trust me. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> now in all seriousness, right? I mean, cause you said you wanted to lay a foundation. You wanted to blaze it your own path. And it's part of, you know, besides also being from here and being a fan of the school that there yeah. was something more important in it for you. And obviously the scholarship, you know, the full scholarship, which was a rarity, I assume at yeah. that time that you, that helped. Right? right. I mean, without that, maybe it doesn't happen, but in all seriousness, right. Uh, and I, I, I you know, I've been around the football side a long time. I've spoken to Mario. The analogy might not be quite exact, but you are, the people coming in now are building towards what everybody wants. And you've experienced that as an athlete. It, it fits really well with, you know, the position that we're in now as a program. And, you know, I think, you know, with Coach Cristobal, when you hear him talk, it's about work. It ain't about, you know, talking about a whole lot what goes on around here. We're just throwing ourselves head first into the work and, you know, doing that and building culture, staying true to that, not, not wavering outside of those lines, you know, it'll, we'll get to where we want to be. So, I mean, you know what that's like, right? Sort of to take that journey, right? I just heard someone yep. talk about it the other day that, Oh, I take that back. It was, uh, it was Shane Battier. He was actually speaking at my kid's school today and he talked about okay. the joy in the journey. Right, yep. the joy in the journey and the work is fun because at the end you you accomplish something. Yeah, absolutely. It's the process, man. It's all it's all about the process and everything that you do. Whenever you want to, you know, you have a high a, a goal that you want to reach, and it's never going to be easy to get there. If it was, everybody would accomplish everything they want. So going through that process, that's what you look back on when you are a champion one day. You look back at the work that got you there, and that's what you know brings you that feeling. So. Looking forward to doing that again. We're going to keep our head down, keep working here. That's what I'm trying to do every single day. All right, so Coach Harris, University of Miami, what was it like to walk on the green tree as a coach? You know, it was it was one of those surreal moments because, um, you know, in our profession, you know, we all have goals of, you know, different situations. You, all try to fo you always try to focus on the job that you have, but at the end of the day, there's certain things that stick out about certain places. And this being my home, not only – where I went to school, but where I was born and raised and who I grew up watching, you know, knowing all the guys that have stepped foot here on Green Tree and accomplished so much, you know, it was always kind of a goal of mine when I started my career uh, in a college setting, obviously just the one day I would like to be back here doing this. And you never know when that happens. You never know if that will ever happen. It kind of all working out this all season and that first day walking out there for workouts, it was like, man, I want to take this all in. But being honest, Josh, man, it feels like that every single day. It feels like that every day. It's not like a one-time feeling of I walked out there on the first day and then I come back for day two, day three, and so on, and that feeling is gone. Like every single day that I get an opportunity to be here, you know, it's one of those things I want to maximize it. So doing my job at the highest level just to make sure that this moment, I don't ever look back on it, you know, down the line and say, man, I didn't, I didn't take that in. I didn't take that in enough. I didn't appreciate that enough. So every single day that I get to come here in, the, in this facility, when I get to walk out there with those players, you know, it's 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 surreal. It's surreal every single day. You ever looking? I don't I don't know exactly how the 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 core in your position room, but mm -hmm. there's some legendary figures, yeah, that have sat in the room that you coach. Absolutely. Uh, you walk by in, in the front of my meeting room, uh, the door outside. You got Clinton Portis, Edwin James, um, <laughs> guys like that on the wall, and then you go in the room and you got Willis McGahee, Duke Johnson guys that I know personally. So, you know, for me as a coach, knowing that those guys have what they did for this program and their time here and me having the responsibility now to be kind of, you know, over that group, I, I, I make sure our players understand that. And, and we have, you know, a standard that we have to reach every single day. Those guys, they set a standard here and we want to make sure that we do all we can to uphold that. And we got, you know, we got a lot of getting better to do. But, you know, the work every day that we come in, it goes back to what's been done here and, and us trying to make sure we get this where we know it should be.
Make this the day your life changes. The all-new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. So how did this come to be, my man? Coach calls you. What happened when he calls? What was the conversation? What he said? He, did he even have to say anything? Like, how, how did this go down? When it first started, you know, I think Coach Coach knows me from way we had a relationship from back when he was at Rutgers. I was a high school student athlete, and the relationship that he had with my dad and being around him, and he's watched me go through the steps of my coaching career to this point. So he always has respect to even ask, you know, if there's interest there, you know, so – that was the number one thing, him asking me if there was interest because he knew that I was in a, you know, I was at a, in a good spot and where my career trajectory had been going well for myself. So uh, he just asked if I had interest. And, you know, when I, I gave him the yes, obviously I do, you know, home is home. And then, you know, going through the process of talking to him about his vision, uh, him understanding a little bit more about me and my vision and how it fit, you know, it was just the timing of everything and what coach was looking for. And what I was looking for, it was just a perfect, perfect match, and the timing was, was right. What was in his vision that hit home? Um, just him talking about his journey, you know, doing things that he needed to do to develop as a coach, and you know, him getting the call uh, back here and uh, going through the whole deal of him knowing where the program was when he was here as, an, as a student athlete, and then his time as a coach and going away and learning and growing, and then getting the call to be asked to come back here to help the program continue to grow and all that. And, you know, those were the, kind of the same feelings that I had from obviously from an assistant coach standpoint, when he's talking to me about what he wants to do and the vision that he has, the, you know, the resources we have here now that were different than like when I was in school around here, you know, everything just lined up with exactly the type of situation I wanted to be in. And I was in a good place with good people that had done a, a lot of great things for me and helping me grow as a coach, but just, that opportunity to come back here and do it at home at a place where, you know, I've sweat that track right, right next to green tree. I've, I've put in a lot of work there so to do that here with my family here and all that, man, it was just, it was an easy deal for me, you know, and that's no disrespect to nothing else, but home is just something different doing it with family, doing it with people that you have, you know, different kind of relationships with. It was just a great situation. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! All right, so you come into an offense that's led by Coach Dawson. As you put the film, I, however you learned the offense, right? You guys, you're uh -huh. in coaches' meetings, you're watching film yourself. You, your immediate or initial just response to hearing him, seeing him, looking at it was what? You know, we were in the same conference. So, um, you know, I had a, there was a lot of crossover tape over the last two years where I've seen uh, Coach Dawson and their offense at, at Houston where – you know, you're super impressed with it. You know, most people we like to talk about how, you know, how much, oh, the air rate, which was. Oh, you know, that's not allowed to say it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Like people, people, <laughs> people <laughs> like to throw that around. But, you know, as a coach, when you really watch the film, you know, it's not what you think it is. You know, obviously they throw the ball very well and they've been able to show statistically that they are very, you know, very good in the pass game. But when you watch them play, they run the football just as effectively, you know, so. That part of it for me, it was me seeing a, an offense that was efficient, running in, throwing the football, but an offense that was aggressive and fun to play in. So, and fun to coach in as well. So, and, and learning it, you know, it's a system that I thought was very player friendly when it comes to that, very coach friendly, and, and allows you to teach details and, and be able to put a good product on the field. I want to go back to something you said about Coach Cristobal, because Kevin Beard said the same thing. And I think that there's some similarities, right, in terms of going away, growing as a coach, kind of coming back. Because I know 
uh, in one of the interviews, you, I think you did at UCF, that you had, had an opportunity, and I probably even knew this from knowing you way yeah. back when, right? Like when you were a high school coach, you had an opportunity to go with Gus to Auburn, right? And it didn't work out. And I'm sure at the time you were like, come on, man, like I'm ready, I'm ready. But what, I guess what I really wanted to know from you is how have you grown? Um, I think the number one thing is just in my early years as a um, college coach, the biggest thing for me has been just being so much more detail-oriented. Um, the time that you have, and I look back on my time as a high school coach, where I probably felt at that time I thought I was detailed. But when you get to this level, you know, the time that you have to work with the players, the time that you have to watch film, the time that you have to do so many off-the-field things in relation to football – it broadens your horizons of, okay, the things that you can coach, the little things. So I think every year I've tried to grow in that area. And as a running back coach, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy that just likes to watch that position. I know that's my responsibility, but I, you know, being a former play caller, being a, a former head coach, I still like to look at the offense and the big picture because when you're able to see a big picture and understand everything else that's going on around you, you're able to coach your players better because you'll be able to give them wise. Because that's the number one thing. You want to be able to coach guys to do things exactly how you want. And to do that, you got to be able to tell them how to do it. And you got to be able to tell them why you're asking them to do it a certain way. So being in different offenses, understanding how different people see things, how different coaches attack things, why they're doing it a certain way. I've tried to just take a little bit from every place that I've been and every coach that I've worked with. And how much has that helped you? It's helped me a lot. You know, number one thing is growing up in a <laughs> being born, I guess, into the coaching profession that already set me up on, you know, in a pretty good situation. I think I was well beyond my years, even early on in my coaching career, because as early as I could walk, you know, my dad had us in football coaches offices. So a lot of conversations that, you know, 10 year old kids don't you know get to hear when you're talking about sports. Like I was able to hear a lot of those at an early age. So I think just. You might have heard some other choice words, too. I'm thinking. Oh, oh yeah. Plenty of, plenty of them. Plenty of them. I know when to use them, too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. They're asking you how do you uh, multiply and divide. And you're like, no, nah, cover zero, man. That's all. It, yeah, come on. Exactly. Cover zero, cover two. What you got for me? Exactly. And being able to talk, you know, just talk with different people. Like, I remember talking with my, like, elementary school PE teachers about football. You know, you know adults who – have, they were watching the game and they were football fans and being able to talk to me and me able to be, you know, being specific about certain things, it, you know, it was always kind of a thing. But I think as a coach, you, you grow every year because you're always learning. You're never in a position where you know everything. I think every place that I've been in a short time, I always find something new that I probably didn't know before or something that I've never done before that I like now. So I've always tried to do that, just find things that fits, you know, the place that I am or the players that I'm coaching, try to find new ways for me to develop and learn as a coach and continue to grow because that's what, that's really what it's all about. Who's helped you? Um, you know, every coach that I worked for, you know, starting off with my dad, uh, I worked with so many great high school coaches, you know, and, and starting my career there, the late Earl Tillman, who, you know, gave me my first job at Booker T when he hired me to be his quarterback coach and, you know, there's so many other uh, coaches around. Coach Sheldon Hanks, who was a, our defensive coordinator for a long time at Booker T, helping me to understand defense. You know, one of my best friends, Neutron Stork, and we were the same age and starting and coaching at the same time, but we challenged each other a lot. And, you know, being honest for him, like when I was first and early, I was a young offensive coordinator at Booker T, and he was a young defensive coordinator. You know, we get on the board and go back and forth, and he made me kind of up my game. And then when I got into college and learning from Ron Turner, who had been in the NFL so long. So I think football protection wise, when coaching the running backs and dealing with protections, my first college job being with a guy that had been in that league where protections are so important and they have so many different protections that helped me. And then, you know, with coach uh, Bush Davis and I worked with Rich Strosky, who was our offensive coordinator under Bush and then going to UCF with coach Malzahn, that was great because, you know, everywhere that coach has been, Coach Malzahn has been his success running the football. And that's really, you know, why I wanted to go there and work with him. You know, one thing was he and I both being former high school coaches and the success that he had had as a head coach, me kind of wanting to be close and around a person who had gone through the same steps that I had. I wanted to see just how that fit in the college game. And then from an offensive standpoint, how is he able every year, no matter where he is, able to be successful running the football. 
So going there for two years and seeing the success that we had in the run game, learning that, being able to help in the role that I was in and making sure that run game was intact, like that helped me big time. And they didn't check your bags on the way out, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't, man. We, we we were good. There was a lot of love there, man. And I, you know, I again, I appreciated the time there. But you know, since I've been here, a lot of those things that I've learned along the way, you know, they they come in, in in good handy. They come in handy. They come in handy here. And I'm learning every day here, learning from Coach Cristobal, listening to him and meetings, not only from an offensive standpoint, but just big picture running a team. And then Coach Dawson, you know, everything that he's done, I'm learning every single day that his system and how he's seeing things, because, you know, you want to be a big help. And then Coach Mirabal being an offensive line coach, the running backs and offensive line, we always got to be on the same page. So learning from him exactly how his guys are seeing things and us kind of all putting our minds together to make sure we're putting the best product on the field every day is, has been amazing. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. I don't know, was both years or the last year, weren't you co-OC at UCF? Both years. Both years. You were hired into that position. Yes. How did that, again empower you as a coach what what were the added responsibilities you had in that role um it, it was a little bit different from year to year the first year I was co-coordinators there with uh GJ Kenny who was also a young coach and he you know neither one of us had ever worked for coach Malzahn so it was kind of like we were both learning him in that first year he was learning us and that was a lot of us trying to figure out exactly how his offense worked and you know how he looked at things you know he, coach would always say I got to get you guys to think like me that was kind of always his thing and uh and it really did help help us a lot so you know after the first year him you know earning his trust and certain things year two was a lot more responsibility just in you know formationally being responsible for how we wanted to attack people game plan wise with certain formation of personnel groupings, you know, that was kind of on my plate and, and through coaching, making sure, you know, getting back with him at the end of a Monday to see if our minds that we were on the same page and what we were seeing. And uh, Chip Lindsay was also the offensive coordinator in the second year. And he and I built a really good relationship and it was good because he kind of come from an air raiders background too. So blending and, and getting, that kind of helps me now too, because he and Shannon, they're, they're kind of similar being honest and working with Chip last year, understanding how he thought of things in the past game, that really helped me, you know, to kind of blend that UCF system together. That helped all of us do that. We had really good relationships in that room, and uh, it, it kind of was a seamless transition. Kind of a good deal. Pretty similar to how we got it here now, being honest. So now I'm going to take you back to that. I think it was 2014, right? Coach Malzahn doesn't hire you. And I'm sure you thought you deserved it, earned it, knew it, whatever. You think that because you're young and you're thinking for yourself. <laughs> so coming full circle, in a way, how much more do you, you know what I mean? I mean, I know you know more now, but as you look back to that moment, right, like I probably didn't know as much as I thought, but, man, I have learned so much on this journey with still so much more to go. Oh, yeah. Uh, I told him all the time there, like I was glad that he didn't hire me uh, because that was actually before I ever became the head coach at Booker T when he interviewed me for that job. So that allowed me to come back and, be in a leadership role to run a team. And I think I learned so much in that time, more than anything, just being responsible for the overall team, being able to make sure that I managed the whole deal, you know, not only just taking care of my unit, like I had done for so many years before that, but you deal with everything when you're the head coach. And I think everything that I went through and being able to have that responsibility, it helped me when I did become a college coach because you know, at this level, even when you're a position coach, you know, you're kind of the head coach of your position. You got to be able to handle the good and the bad every single day. And me being in that role as a high school coach where I had to run a program, it just helped me be so much more confident when I did step into a college room. You know, I wasn't worried about feelings or stepping on toes. You know, I, I kind of knew how I wanted to build, you know, a culture. And you, and you do that. You know, your team have a culture, but 
you build cultures in your position meeting rooms as well. And me having done that for a group, it made that transition so much easier for me. So I, I hated it at that moment, like you said, but I, I'm so appreciative now when I look back on it that I didn't get that opportunity because I've just learned so much when I took over as the head coach that I think I would have ever, I would have never gotten those lessons any other way. So Tim Harris, you're okay stepping on toes. Oh yeah. I'm okay with that. Let's go. We got to do whatever we got to do to get the job done and get our players moving in the same direction as the rest of the program. And obviously as we, as we wanted to go. So if I sat in your room, how do you run your room? I'm a cooperative coach. I would like to think, I think my players, they understand that I care about them. You know, you, you love them. It's not going to always be only about the X's and O's. That's important when we're going over certain things in there, but you want to build genuine relationships and you got to learn every player in your room as an individual. You know, some people, you make a mistake, you try to coach them all the same. You know, you, you have the same standards, but you understand that some people, it may take you different ways to get them to be at that standard consistently. So when we're in there, you know, we understand what that standard is when we're watching tape. We're very honest. We're very honest with our, with our assessment. When it's good, you're being told that it's good. When it's not good, you're being told that it's not good. And we're always trying to make sure that the guys understand how we want them to fix things. You know, I'm never going to tell a guy that's not good. And that's just the end of the conversation. It's that's not good. And this is what we have to do. And this is how we have to do it. When, when you get them to understand that and they buy into that and they see that you're consistent with that, you know, it's easier to coach them. So, you know, our, our guys in our room, you, you know, I, I think you asked them and you probably get, you know, a clear answer, but again, man, we're honest, we're open, but you know, we have fun and, and I love on coach. You just talked about, you know, being honest, the good, the bad, all that kind of stuff. You talked about accountability. That's something that's important to you. How do you go about ensuring accountability? Uh, first thing, you got to be clear with what you want. Uh, you know, your room, you're going to have rules within your position meeting room. As a program, we have rules and we have expectations. And you be clear with those things. And if guys step outside of those lines, again, you got to be consistent with how you handle them and how you address them. Uh, I think that's the number one thing, being clear with it, being consistent with it, no matter who they are. They the guy that, you know, go out there first every day or they're the guy that don't get very many reps. When you're consistent with, with what you want and your standards don't waver based on who the individual is, you know, the guys, they see that and they fall in line and it makes it, you know, easy for them to want to do what they got to do. My job every day is to come in here and make sure our running backs perform at a very high level on the field. And off the field, you know, I, I have a responsibility to Coach Cristobal, who has a very, very difficult job in running a college program. So my job is to make sure that the guys that I'm responsible for, they don't make his job any harder. All right. The only thing we want to make his job harder is they all playing well and we got to decide <laughs> who we want to play. But outside of that, when it comes to how we go about handling our business on a day to day, we're going to make sure coach is easy and we're going to our room. We're going to be on point with everything that we're supposed to. That's on the field academically and our social lives. Do you think you understand that a little better? I'm not saying than someone else, but do you think it resonates more with you twofold one working for your dad, seeing your dad be a head coach mm -hmm. and two, you've been in a head coaching position. Do you think that you can relate to coach Cristobal at a level from what you just said, because you've been either around at a very personal level or actually sat in a chair very similar to that? Well, yeah, I won't say that I can relate because obviously I didn't run a program that's at this level at, at all or even close to it. But I just think from the standpoint of being a leader and, and me wanting to do my part and leading the guys that I'm responsible for, I just always want them to be A1, what I say, is on, on top of their stuff and not weighing the team down, not weighing the program down. And, and that's just the competitor in me, I think. Um, you know, so when we talk about academics, you know, every place that I've been, I want it when we at the end of the semester and they come in, you know, academic come in and they they make a chart of which position groups had the highest GPA. You know, I'm pissed off if our guys aren't, you know, if the <laughs> running back group isn't up there. You know, that's just how, how I am because I want to make sure that, you know, in everything that we do, we want to make sure that we're doing our part and being at a high standard on a day to day. And when we watch film as a group, I want to walk out of there and I want to have less MAs than everybody else. And that ain't like because I want to show up any other group, but that's just why I want to make sure that my guys are doing their part for this operation to run at its highest level.
And, you know, I, I wear that on my sleeves. You know, some people, I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the truth. You know, that's me being honest of just the expectation that I have of the guys that I coach. And, you know, it ain't always easy. It's not easy at all. But when, when things, when guys do get out of line, you do the right thing. You remind them every single day of what we're trying to build. And we're trying to build, you know, high level individuals in, in our position room every day. You know, and that's what, that's what we're continuing to do. We're working to do that. What is something that is bad on tape that just grinds you? Oh, we put the ball on the ground. You put the ball on the ground. That's, that's non-negotiable. That loses games. That, that, that tears up drives. That's, there's, there's nothing that's going to get you ripped to shreds more than you putting <laughs> the ball on the ground. And that's, you know, that's just, I don't, that's a running back thing. You get, we get ball security conversations more than any position group on a team, you know, cause we carry it the most running and all that, but you know, we can't put it on the ground. And then also in pass protection, just when you see guys whiff on blocks and, you know, cause you got guys behind you that are, you know, counting on you to make blocks. You got quarterback back there. That's, uh, you know, a, a dunk with the ball in his hand. And if we don't do our job, we can get that guy injured. So I say putting the ball on the ground is number one, but doing anything wrong in, in our pass protection rules, you know, either missing a block or not getting the ID where it should be, that stuff, it kills me. There might be some uh, toes stepped on after that. Oh, yeah. There are going to be some feet, toes stepped full on. Full feet. We might get some full feet stepped on. Hey. You might, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hurt them too much when they can't run, but we're gonna get an <laughs> HS. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. It's funny. When it used to be an immediate guy in an NBA <laughs> locker room, and you get too close to somebody's feet, they'll, they'll, they'll holler at Back you. Up. Oh, yeah. yeah no, no, no. no. They bad, don't take man. too kindly to that. That's money. That's money right there. <laughs> A couple more football things, Ice, or Tim. Sorry, sorry, Tim. And yeah, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, please. Let's get that right, Josh. Come on, man. Ice uh, down there on 14th Street. Yeah. Ice is on 14th Street. Yeah, you can yeah. do that. <laughs> um, you mentioned accountability matters to you, and you said that the details matter to you. And right. the thing I was curious about, what details of your position have you learned over time that matter to you? Because I think in football, again, it's certainly there are group people see run the ball, right? Yeah. Oh, he's a good runner. He runs. Right. But what are the things that you harp on that you focus on that matter to you that are the details of playing your position that are A, are important to you, and B, has been part of your growth? The number one thing, it starts with alignment. I think you got to be consistent in what you want alignment-wise. You know, you can't just let guys line up kind of sort of what you want. Sometimes, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not right. And then you don't correct it because – you know, all those things are keys to defense, and that's what people don't understand. So if we say your alignment is at this point, every time when I'm watching tape, you know, I watch the back view as a running back coach a lot to check your alignment first. Is he aligned correctly, or is he too wide when he's running this play, or this play he's too tight? Because if you're doing that on a consistent basis, defenses kind of get a tip on, okay, he's aligned like this when he's running this particular scheme. He's aligned like that when he's running this one. So we want to be as consistent as we possibly can to take that away from. And then the second thing, I think the most important thing as a running back coach that you want to make sure you're clear on is your path. So no matter what your scheme is, I'm an inside zone team. What is our path? And I've worked in systems that that path changes, you know, that path changed from one scheme to the next that I've been in, but whatever it is. We had, uh, we had coach Mirabal on this and literally, I think the, the, the detail of the path could be the difference of the, I want to say it's something the butt cheek or the calf, like literally the right. space in between matters. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been in some schemes where it's, you know, you chase the inside leg of the guard. You've been in some schemes where it's something else. But whatever it is, that path has to be consistent. And you have to be consistent as a coach in coaching it because you own that. I, I, you hear a lot of coaches talk about, oh, the running back coach, that's the easiest position to hire because you just get a really good running back and they just run. No, you got to get a running back coach that coach those guys, coach those guys on the details of the position. What is your aiming point when we're running inside zone? What is your aiming point in your path when we're running counter? What is your aiming point when we're running GT? Whatever it is, you have to be clear and concise with where you want your guys running the football. Now, there's things that happen that they have to react to, and that's great. That's a part of recruiting and guys that can see it and, and, and set up blocks and all that, but at the start of any run scheme, you want to be clear what is your path. And when you're watching tape, you want to make sure that you're showing those guys this is you're exactly where you should be. And then when you are consistent with it, I guarantee you, any place that I've been, 
when we've been very consistent with our path and our tracks, we've had consistent run game. Our run game has been really good. So, you know, and that, and I try to make sure that I'm consistent with that every single day here. And our guys, they take that coaching well, and they've shown that, you know, over the course of these 10 practices that they can consistently do that. A couple more things about this, and I, we, get, we got to talk about ice. Uh, okay. Mark Fletcher and Chris Johnson are not with you, correct? Not, no, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. I mean, they're not. Yeah. I, I imagine because this is home, you recruited the area, you were yeah. aware of them prior to the. Oh, absolutely, man. Come on, <laughs> both those guys are studs. They're both studs. I mean, I, I, I mean, I knew who you were, but I mean, you put eyes on them. Yeah, I put eyes on them. I, you know, I, Tried to I recruit recruited them. them both. Yeah, I recruited <laughs> them both. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very well aware of what they bring to the table, and I'm excited for them both to get here. They're great young men, uh, number one. You know, obviously great football players that we know. We all know that, but they're great young men who, through building relationships with them over the course of the last couple of years. And then since me getting here, being able to have them around on campus and all that, hanging out with us and being at practices, you know that they're, you know, they're itching to be out there competing with us. So, you know, I can't wait. I'm itching to be coaching then. You've mentioned this before and we've talked about the details of the job. What about the things you look for in a back? And I know you said vision. So how do you, how do you see vision? Like how, when you're watching, how do you determine good vision, bad vision? Just guys being able to see things before they happen. When you talk about that particular attribute, you're talking about a guy that when I'm running, they can see that a defender maybe go flowing hard over the top. You see it with linebackers a lot. They see a certain scheme. They see pull-ups, and linebackers flow hard over the top. Those backs that can see that as they're pressing a the line of scrimmage and then make a cut and replace where that guy just left, you know, not everybody can see that. Some guys just run with a scheme telling them to run, and then that's that's boom. It. You know, so yeah, I want I want I want you to be on the right track and, and and be on the right path consistently. But when you get to a certain point, you got to react to what's happening around you. And then you got guys when you talk about vision. When I know I got a blocker that's in a certain position and a defender that's you know coming trying to make a play on me, me being able to set that guy up to get blocked. You know, and that's part of all your vision as a back. You kind of got to be able to see that thing like that. We seeing that. We seeing that a lot. We got some guys here in in spring camp that's that's doing a good job of that. And why is start stop? Why is that important to your room? Start stop is important, man. Because some people you just talk about, oh, I, I want to recruit a guy with speed, and you go get a guy that just run fast straight ahead. But the game isn't played like that. People show up. You know, things happen in front of you. You know, big linemen they fall down in front of you. You got to be able to shorten your stride and stop and then get back to uh, speed as quickly as possible because that's realistic. That's how you play. You get very few plays where it's blocked great and you can just run a straight shot to the end zone. So you got to be able to sink your hips, drop your hips, you know, shorten your stride to make people miss and all that, and then be able to burst when you clear those things. So start and stop, that's super important. All right, let's talk about dad for a second. How would you describe dad the coach? Oh, man, uh, he, he has a way with words. He has a way with words. And I've seen this from even before I played for him and even before I coached with him, you know, just he's able to relate to the players so well. Uh, even being a guy now that's a veteran, I won't call him old because he'll kill me, but even a guy that's he, he, he's a veteran, but he, he relates he relates to the guys that he coached so well. Where I don't know about the music. The music might be a little different. Yeah, yeah, he that that's that's never gonna change. <laughs> that's never gonna change. But but he's so loving, man. He's so loving. You know, the the players they appreciate his hard coaching. And and when when you get sometimes, you know, growing up for me, I was lucky because you hear guys say, "Oh, I coach hard," and you know, he coaches harder. And that don't always mean like you're mfing a kid or you know a, a dog cursing him. You know, he has his own way of doing it. He has his time, obviously, where he has to do that. But, you know, he's stern. He Again, he doesn't waver on, on what his uh, standards are as a coach. And that's why I really learned that, you know, not wavering on what my standards are. But no matter where he's coached and what level he's coached at, I can't go anywhere with him where we don't run into someone. And it can be Miami High back in 1987. This guy was his tight end or whatever. And, and they talk about the impact that he had on. So, you know, and that's really me seeing that growing up, how the impact that he had on so many people, so many guys, so many young kids that he's coached, 
that's what made me want to be a coach. You know, I wanted to have that impact on young men the same way that I watched my dad do. So I would say just his lasting impact is different. It's different than a lot of people that I've seen that are in this profession. So when you're walking with those people and they are full of gratitude or thanks or mm -hmm. whatever, how does that make you feel? Oh, man, it, it makes me feel so lucky because I know, you know, for whoever that young man was, for them to have my dad in their life for however many years, four years, three years, two years, whatever, however long he coached them and for them to appreciate him so much for what he did for them in their lives and helping them grow as men. For me to have that in my life, you know, from birth all the way to now, you know, it's it's just I'm, I'm lucky. Me knowing what he and my mom did and helped raising my brother, my brother and I, and I look at the path that we're on now and how things are, you know, so positive for the both of us now being in this profession. And, you know, it's just, I, I can't thank my parents enough. I know my, and again, I know we're talking about my dad, but, you know, my parents, they really did this together. You know, I, my dad, he's a football coach and a lot of our coaching questions go through him, but my mom is a football mom. She's a true coach's wife that was there, you know, through all the hard stuff and they both did it together. And I think the impact that he has, you know, she should get just as much as the credit because it took, it took a lot to, you know, a lot of football wives have attested that, but it took a lot. I know for my mom at the level that my dad is going to, how, he, how hard he worked for her to be right there, supporting him all the time and, and helping. So I appreciate the both of them and they kind of both set me and my brother up on the path that we're on. What was he like inside the home? We know dad, the coach. What about dad, the dad, in, you know, in the home, outside of football? Uh, loving, obviously, but um, his discipline didn't change much. I think he was. Well, so what happened? What happened to little Tim was out of line? He got us right. He, he got me right. He got me right. He did in his own way, man. He got, he got me right. I, I'll be honest, a lot in my childhood, like, when I didn't do things that I sh should have did, I was punished with push-ups. And that was like, that that was a grind. Like, I remember crying because everything that we do bad, it was, hey, get out and give me 25 push-ups. And when you're six years old and, you know, all that, man, those push-ups, they hurt. But but those were more our punishments when we were coming up. And, you know, if he ever had to do anything else, he did it. But I'll be honest, it was mostly just him either challenging us in, in ways like that. And, 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 that, and that helped us a lot. You said that at a young age, your dad had you doing things that a lot of other kids weren't doing. And you didn't yeah. quite understand it then. How much right. do you understand it now? Oh, man. Uh, again, I'm so thankful for just how he pushed us and, you know, the discipline that he taught us and, and, and building character by putting us in situations to do things that at that age were, were hard. It helped me as I was growing as an athlete and even – when I, you know, I played for him in high school, so you were still getting that every single day. But when I got to college and having to be disciplined by a coach or having to be criticized by a coach to up my performance, not a lot of that bothered me when I got away from, him. you know, I was able to take criticism and use it as positive things for myself. Um, but my dad, he was so hard on us where, you know, there was really nothing that any other coach would say to me that would get me down <laughs> and, and, and for him I think he, he had to be so hard on us because when you're a coach's son you kind of from a lot of people on the outside you get a lot of flack so for him to make sure that he put us in position to hold our own and stand our ground he had to challenge us a little bit more and work us a little bit harder where people could never come back and say that we were getting something just because we were the coach's son you know it was always going to be harder on us I remember like watching him coach my brother Brandon at Booger T and Brandon, you know, we were a cover three scheme defense. So, you know, corners, they, they kind of bailing out, getting out of there a lot. And teams would throw little hitches outside and he'd be yelling at Brandon and say, oh, you letting these guys catch on you. And like, we always laugh about it. Like, coach, we cover three. Like the same linebacker should be getting underneath the hitch. Like, you know, that's really not his fault. But he looked at it as if they were catching balls outside in the vicinity of Brandon, Everyone else who was watching the situation is going to be looking like, oh, Coach Son's getting caught on. So <laughs> it was more him trying to challenge, like, man, you know, Brandon, you playing man coverage, man. Everybody else can play something else. You playing man because we don't need people seeing you get the ball caught on you out here. What position did you play in football? I was a quarterback. 
Okay. So he yeah, must have been. Yeah. He so must have been. I hard signed hard. a football scholarship first, John. So to where you don't know that I signed to play quarterback at Carson Newman, which at the time was one of the top five Division two programs in the country. The deal with that was you signed in February back then when I was early February. So my senior track season hadn't happened yet, and I was still on the fence of which sport I wanted to do in college because football was my love. Growing up, football crazy Miami, being a football coach's son, like football is that's where my heart was at. But the head coach at the time was a, the late Ken Sparks. We had a conversation with him after signing day was, okay, if my senior track season went a certain way and I had opportunities that were probably better for me to choose any school in the country to go to, that they would allow me to get released from my letter of intent. And Coach Sparks did that for us. So I was always appreciative to Coach Sparks for that. And then, you know, that's kind of how it all played out. So by mid-season of that, mid-year of that track season, um, I was running really good and the opportunities were coming. And coach released me from my letter of intent when I told him I would probably rather go to college to, to run track and, and, and chase those uh, dreams. But, yeah, man, so I, I'm a football player first, man. Track, my dad tricked us into track with, oh, man, you're going to run track to get faster for football. And then I ended up dang, breaking the state meet record in the 800 and I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> now you've said it. Eight hundred is a pain, a pain in the back, in the rear oh, race. It is. it is. Describe like if, for someone that doesn't know, describe what the assault is like. Well, you're running fast for two laps. You're running fast for two laps. People ask me all the time, "What was your strategy in the eight hundred? It's like, okay, man, I my first four hundred meter time, and I'm talking college. My first four hundred meter time will be, I'll come through at about fifty one, fifty one five. And then what you want to have there is probably like a four-second differential for your second lap. And that's kind of what I would do. So I run a pretty good first lap. You're running 51-5 on the first lap. You're going. And the first turn of the second lap, that was kind of my, okay, let me catch my breath and get myself ready to go home. At about 300-meter mark, I start kind of trying to make my move. And what I wanted to do is from the 300-meter mark, I wanted to change tempos at every 100-meter mark. So I get to the 200-meter mark and start trying to hit another gear to bring myself home. And then at the 100-meter mark, it was balls to the wall. See, I was a front runner. See, I wasn't one of those 800-meter runners that sit behind everybody and then want to kick at the end of the race. So, no, I, I was the tough guy that went out and led the race. And if you were going to beat me, you were going to have to chase me down to win. So I try to coach the same way. You cross the finish line and you feel what? Oh, my head just ringing, man. <laughs> it would take, seriously, man, it would take a good 10 to 15 minutes for a headache to just go away. I'll never forget that pain of just your head pounding, pounding. Now, obviously, it wouldn't be as bad if you won. It always hurt much worse when you didn't win the race. I bet. It always hurt worse when you didn't win. When you won the race, it, it, it hurt, but that kind of, it subsides a little, a little quicker. And when you were done with Miami, did you get right into coaching? Uh, yeah, I was I was running professionally for like half a season. So uh, I had went and talked to Coach Tillman about coaching. So that first spring that I started, I was actually running professionally at the time. And I remember going to some spring practices. And then I was still training for me. And I think about midway through that season, I was like, man, you know what? Like, I'm a football coach. Like, you know, track has been good to me. You know, it, it's, it's done great. Got me a great education here at a great university. But, you know, it's kind of where my life is. Like, I want to go coach football. And being honest, at that time, I want to go be a high school football coach. I didn't think about all this and, you know, being a college coach. I never, I never thought about that. I thought, I'm going to go back to Booker T. I'm going to coach high school football. I'm going to be the quarterback's coach. One day I may call plays. One day I may be a head coach, and it's going to be great. But, you know, it's obviously it took me through all those steps and, and beyond, man. So, you know, it's just been a huge blessing for me kind of, you know, living this thing out. And every day, again, I'm appreciating where I am every day, and I'm trying to be the best, very, very best I can be at my job every single day that I walk in this building. All right, so we've joked about this is the last thing. You're Tim, he's Ice, but how yep. much of you as a coach is Harris? Oh, um, a lot. Probably my, my, my biggest influence, um, obviously being in a home with him growing up, so just how I deal with uh, young people. I think that part all comes from him. The the caring part, that part that I talked about, the impact that you want to leave on the players that you coach. So that that's all going to come from him. Uh, Scheme-wise, you know, who I was as a coordinator, um, 
Uh, I was a coordinator for him for a long time. And the basis of our offensive system is all his. And, you know, I kind of added my own stuff as we went when he really took his hands off and stepped back and kind of let me do it. But the basis of who I am scheme-wise, it comes from him. And just being able to enjoy the profession every day, you know, not taking the profession for granted. Uh, me seeing him go through all these different steps in his career, being a high school coach, working himself and being a coordinator, getting hired as a head coach in Dade County Public Schools before he even got his teacher certificate. That don't, that don't happen for a lot of people, seeing him do that, seeing him come here to the University of Miami on different occasions and different roles, becoming a running back coach here at the time that he did, that was different. And then him going back to high school and going to flow mode for a little bit, now back in high school again. So all the steps that he's taken, me watching him enjoy every place that he's been, me watching him enjoy coaching his players and never wavering from who he is, that part of it, you know, I, the generation changes and there's some things about how I do things that are different, obviously being younger and getting into the professional at a younger age. Um, but I think everything of when you talk about why I got into coaching, how I like to handle my business, the respect level that I have for the profession as that's all my dad. I like I, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, man, I got KB and I got Tim. I said, I got two guys that I know since they were in high school, 10 years, this worked out perfect. Right. Watch us grind, man. Dude, we all grind, dude. We all yeah. grind. I'll, uh, right I'll see you then. soon, brother. All right? All right, man. You take care. Have a great night.